welcome to the Secretariat of Child and Youth Protection's Promise to Protect podcast series. My name is Lauren Sarmer, and I'm the coordinator for resources and special projects at the Secretariat. And with me today, I have Mary Ellen Diantino of the Diocese of Manchester. Mary Ellen and I will be discussing the Secretariat's and National Review Board's High Reliability Organization Initiative. We've been conducting this initiative since 2017 and in 19 dioceses and one FRK throughout the United States, we have trained them in HRO or high reliability organization principles. These five principles center on the following. The first principle is preoccupation with failure, the ability to identify and address all warning signs of harm, the second principle is reluctance to simplify, the ability to take deliberate steps to create a more nuanced picture of risks and harm. The third principle, sensitivity to operations, the ability to be aware of risks and harm at all levels of an organization. The fourth principle, commitment to resilience, the ability to respond quickly and effectively to events of harm when they occur. And the fifth and final principle, deference to expertise, the ability to respond to events of harm based on the best available information from the most knowledgeable people. So the Diocese of Manchester, New Hampshire was the first diocese our staff actually trained in HRO principles. And Mary Ellen will be sharing ways she and her team have implemented these five principles of HROs within the Diocese of Manchester. So now I'll go ahead and introduce our guests Mary Ellen Diantino. For the past 30 years, Mary Ellen's professional career has focused on children, families, and child abuse prevention. Mary Ellen holds a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in counseling, a graduate certificate in online instructional design, and is a licensed guidance counselor and social worker. In 2006, Mary Ellen was hired by the Diocese of Manchester to serve as the first director of safe environment programs. She established the Safe Environment Compliance Program that is currently in place in the diocese, which has included regular parish and school site visits for more than 14 years. In addition to her safe environment duties, Mary Ellen served as the Bishop's Delegate for Ministerial Conduct from 2014 to 2020. She has served as a board member for the New Hampshire Children's Trust and Granite Pathways, a program serving mentally ill adults. She and her husband live in Southern New Hampshire. Mary Ellen, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So the first question I wanted to kind of get your feedback on, Mary Ellen, is in the aftermath of the 2018 McCarrick scandal, you and your team in Manchester pieced together a simulation to test those five HRO principles I talked about and strategies uh, if a similar scandal were to happen in your diocese. Can you tell us a little bit more about that simulation and its outcomes and what were some of the strategies that you implemented? Sure. Um, so we had really tried to embrace the HRO principles for quite some time after having gone through the initial training. And one of the things that we were doing was looking at news stories. So if something happened in our state or something happened in New England or even nationally, we had taken to reading those and analyzing what happened in order to try to improve our own processes. So 
in 2018, when the Theodore McCarrick report came out and then the Pennsylvania grand jury report shortly after, it was really just natural for us to want to review those reports and find out what lessons could be learned from them. So at that time, Bishop Labashi, Bishop Peter Labashi had asked our diocesan review board to look at the McCarrick timeline, analyze that and let him know kind of um, what lessons could be learned for that and if there were things in our diocese that we could improve so that something like that hopefully would never happen to us. He also asked our chancellor and our vice chancellor, Meredith Cook, who's now our chancellor, and me to read the reports and to report back, um, to, to analyze those for him and to report back to him um, what we had learned and to make some recommendations about um, areas where maybe we needed to improve. So compare that against our policies, our procedures, our protocols, and you know, how could we, what do we see in there that could be a gap that we have and we certainly don't want these things to happen to us. So um, we read the reports and then the three of us actually booked out a full day outside the office to really focus and concentrate. And it was a good time to debrief as well, because as you recall, that was a really difficult time. It was a big crisis for, for the church throughout the country. And we literally took, a, you know, had a whiteboard and lots of notes and we brainstormed for the day about areas and different kind of categories as to um, where we could, we could maybe improve and just be better. Um, so even though we felt like we had good policies and procedures in place and a lot of things were working very well, we just didn't want to miss something and there's always room for improvement. Um, one of the things that we noticed was that, of course, in particular with the um, grand jury report, a lot of those incidents had happened a long time ago, but it really struck us and it does strike us from time to time that we all know, all of us who work in the church know that so much has been done in the area of child and youth protection, but somehow it seems like the general public often has no idea what's been done. So that was one of the areas we decided we needed to look at in our diocese. How can we improve our communications? Um, so after that day, we um, had a spreadsheet with a long spreadsheet with many, many points on it. And we created a, a long-term plan that we hoped to implement. We broke it into quite a few categories. Some of those categories included uh, reporting procedures, response to victims, training and education of various groups, our employee volunteer and volunteer orientation processes. So how do we onboard people? And as I said, um, communications. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we did. No, that's excellent. Thank you so much, Mary Ellen. I wanted to expand on that a little bit. So have you, uh, after you initially did this analysis after the McCarrick scandal broke and the PA grand jury report broke mm -hmm. in 2018, but did you do any more developments or analysis after the report was released in November by the Vatican? Just wondering. Well, we did, we definitely read the report, but we didn't, we haven't done any other analysis since that time, except although we have revisited um, yeah. what our plans were, and um, we actually, we we've really worked hard, but to be honest, that was the fall of 2018. We still have, we 
have some plans that we need to implement. So that was a good reminder for us to go back to our original plan and see what we've accomplished and to see what we still need to work on. And you're highlighting, thank you, you're highlighting some really important aspects of HROs or high reliability organizations, right? Is that we're talking about a cultural change. So this isn't just a once and done, finished HROs, uh, you know, we can kind of check off of our to-do list. This is going to be an ongoing process for every diocese and the dioceses that we've trained, we've heard that feedback as well. And, you know, for Manchester, we trained you almost four years ago and uh, you're still implementing this process and throughout all parts of the diocese, that's excellent. Um, I wanted to also talk a little bit more about, you said that you took a look at your policies and procedures, but um, you also wanted to make sure that the culture was implemented beyond those policies and procedures. So not only are we editing what we have on paper, but also uh, the sort of feeling and representation in the diocese. Can you talk about how maybe the culture has changed a little bit in Manchester since doing this? Sure. Um, and I have to say, it's, people have really embraced it. And um, that's just heartening to know that people want to participate. Um, and so, so it really has been a cultural um, change for our diocese. And I think the bones were there, right? The structure was already there. We already had a lot of good communication. We didn't have um, those silos that are sometimes spoken about um, between departments. And maybe it's just a factor of us being a smaller diocese. Mm -hmm always okay to go to someone that's not in your department and um, you know ask them about something or ask them to collaborate with you or or try to come up with solutions together to maybe a shared or overlapped problem it's there and um, I just I wanted to talk a little bit about what we did at first because um, yeah. as you said we were the first diocese and so we actually started with the um, the curriculum that, that the um, USCCB had developed, that your office had developed, and we had the paper curriculum with the uh, just principles listed and the introductory materials that include the Swiss cheese model, which everyone remembers. <laughs> and we, um, as a department, as the Chancellor's Department, we got together at our regularly scheduled meetings and we took those principles one by one, those lessons one by one, and we discussed them within our department. And we found it so valuable that we had then done a presentation for the staff and we were allowed to do what we call a lunch and learn presentation for the staff um, about HRO. And then around that time is when Drew Dillingham came and also did the presentation for our staff. And um, people just loved it. Um, we had a great, great turnout, which was really um, wonderful to see. So the bishop obviously participated, our vicars general, people from the tribunal, the superintendent of schools and his department, some people from Catholic Charities, finance. So um, a lot of people were there. And following that, I found that we would get requests to talk to other groups about HRO and people really liked the scenarios and analyzing what happened, what went wrong, what went right and what could be improved. So we've really incorporated that 
um, the superintendent of schools had asked a couple of us to go and speak with the principals. So we went to a principals meeting and, and presented a kind of a mini, you know, mini HRO workshop. It was, it was pretty brief to the principals, but we incorporated those real life scenarios, um, school scenarios, and we based them on things that had really happened. Uh, you know, loose, loosely or not so loosely based. And the principals en enjoyed that a lot. And some of them then brought it back to their staff and we encouraged them to do that. So it, it has just been embraced by so many people um, to become a part of our regular, almost day-to-day -day work. Um, other people that have embraces are um, our vocations director, Father Matt Mason has taken um, some of the principles and, um, and, you know, in an attempt to um, kind of, you know, alleviate or stop problems from occurring, he's put some processes in place for me to come and talk with the seminarians each year and for um, a couple of other staff members to do that as well, to remind them about reporting Thank you. That's so important to highlight, right? The leadership setting the attitude for the rest of the diocese that you've been able to be empowered and go through and be able to have all these mini trainings uh, within your own diocese. So we've, you know, our office comes in, trains you, and then it's sort of at your um, at your discretion how you would want to implement it. And it sounds like Manchester has really taken this to heart and had this buy-in, and it sounds excellent. Uh, just to give our listeners some background. So there were some things that Mary Ellen mentioned that are elements of the high reliability organization training that the US, that our office at the USCCB uh, will give to a diocese. And one of those things is the Swiss cheese model that she mentioned. So we call this the Swiss cheese model of abuse prevention. And uh, basically there's a visual of slices of Swiss cheese and then through um, through a visual of how an, an event of harm could possibly occur, there's an arrow going through the holes to tell you where your holes and your boundaries are. So maybe, you know, every diocese has background screenings in place or safe environment programs, but maybe for some reason, because there's some characteristic about a seminarian or a certain adult is able to get past all of those boundaries and find the holes in the Swiss cheese and then abuse or harm a child. And so we really challenge dioceses to look at those holes, which is what Mary Ellen in Manchester has been doing uh, by creating this simulation of what would have happened if a similar McCarrick situation or PA grand jury report happened in New Hampshire, but then also like she was saying in all her mini trainings, talking to other people and analyzing the holes in the Swiss cheese. And that's part of the ongoing uh, need of HROs. So um, I really wanted to thank you for bringing that up, Mary Ellen, because I think that's a cool visual. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to email our office about uh, what those would look like. So um, as far as uh, the HRO principles in general, we sometimes receive feedback that these principles are difficult to weave into a religious context. Uh, because the theory of high reliable organization comes from secular scholars. So they're traditionally in the, um, in the military, in the airline industry, nuclear power plants. But what would be your advice to those who are struggling to see the connection of HROs within a church context? 
Well, I, I think first of all, um, your office has really done a good job in translating the principles from, from the original book to something that can be utilized in the Catholic Church. And so we found it pretty seamless to be able to use those principles in our day-to-day -day work. So I'm kind of not really sure why people would feel that way, to be honest, um, because as unfortunately, as we all know, the uh, HRO principles refer to incidents of harm happening, and we know there have been incidents of harm, and we all want to prevent those from happening again. So for me, knowing that the HRO principles have been shown to make a difference in preventing that harm and responding to issues that do occur so that they're so that you can improve and so that hopefully those issues don't happen again, I just think it's in a way, um, like a no-brainer to go ahead and give this a try and I guess give it a try and if it doesn't if you're not happy with it you could make some tweaks but I, I just think it's so easy to implement maybe people are afraid or it you know it, it does take a little bit of time to do the review but you can break it into parts like we did we just took one lesson and we did it over a series of months with our department to, to do the reading and then to come together and discuss and, and personalize it for our diocese because each archdiocese and diocese and eparchy is different, but I do think you could incorporate it into your day-to-day -day practice. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. It's not a one-size-fits-all model, as we've been saying. So if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking to Mary Ellen Diantino, who uh, is from the Diocese of Manchester, talking about high reliability organization principles and implementing them uh, in her own diocese. So uh, something else, Mary Ellen, that I just wanted to touch on briefly here at the end is, um, so like you said in your initial uh, HRO training that Drew, who was my predecessor in this position, gave to y'all, he, um, you had invited some finance uh, execs within your diocese. What are, what are some elements of, um, within the Diocese of Manchester, other than child and youth protection, that you've been uh, able to implement HRO principles? So you kind of talked about communication. So that's a really big, a really big thing, but going outside of abuse prevention, maybe talking about uh, preventing fiduciary abuse or some other event of harm, uh, even like within your HR department that you've been able to do in Manchester with HROs? Mm -hmm. So um, a couple of things. So I know that our finance department utilizes these principles uh, regularly but I'm not a big uh, finance person, so I can't exactly <laughs> what they do, but I know they do a lot of training and response. So not letting those little things that you might notice um, as a potential issue um, go unchecked. So we do the same for um, child protection. If we notice, for example, that a environment coordinator hasn't been updating the database that we asked them to update. Maybe it's looking like they're not getting their background checks in um, timely manner. We're going to, it's easy to ignore it because you can make a lot of excuses for that. Say, oh, they're really busy. Oh, there's a pandemic going on. But mm -hmm. it's one of the principles, you know, you don't let those little things 
unnoticed you respond and so we try to respond and so and the finance department would do that too if they're noticing something out of the ordinary um it's a culture of getting people comfortable with speaking up so everyone's on a level playing field and if you're the person that answers the phone or if you're the person that is um emptying trash or at a parish, you're you know you're working in a parish office and um, doing something to do with bookkeeping. If you notice something, you know mention it. It might not be a problem. Um, it might be a misunderstanding. A person may need more training, or it could be a problem. So it, you know just bring that up. We'll resolve it. Whatever it is, we'll nip, nipping things in the bud. One example in our um, human resources department that does relate to our long-term plan that we put together is in regards to the onboarding of employees. And we had noticed in our brainstorming session, one of the things that we talked about was that sometimes issues happen in um, Catholic schools or parishes where a person ends up having to be let go or reprimanded because they almost didn't seem to understand that they are a representative of the Catholic Church and Catholic teachings. And mm -hmm. so that's because we noticed that we wanted to address that in some way. And so we partnered with HR and HR is working on an onboarding, a more formal onboarding of new employees that will include a reminder and just a, a brief um, video that Bishop Labashi recorded to, tell, to remind them what our mission is as a diocese and, the, and to remind them that they are representatives of the Catholic Church. And it's hopefully again, um, nipping some problems in the bud by starting right out reminding everyone of, of those few things and they are a Catholic representative in everything that they do when they're working or volunteering for the church. So that's something our HR department has done. Yeah, that's an excellent example. That's a way to kind of turn those slices of Swiss cheese into cheddar, right? <laughs> that we want them to be, not have any more holes in them. Um, sure. Yeah, and I like that you mentioned even just the custodial staff at a school or at a parish, you know, if there's a culture within the diocese that has implemented these HRO principles and has particularly that commitment to resilience and sensitivity to operations that people are comfortable self-reporting, coming forward mm -hmm. and saying, I noticed this, like you said, it may or may not be a problem, but just mm -hmm. wanted to alert everyone. So um, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah, I was going to say that I think um, part of the training also helps people to know that if they're not sure about something, um, so they find themselves in a situation where they're not sure what to do, um, is this allowed? Is this a good idea that they're also comfortable making a phone call or asking their supervisor or calling our office? And so I, I'm very, very happy when people do that, when they say, you know, we're going on a, on a field trip and we're wondering about this aspect of it. Is this okay? So, so open communication and um, just um, trusting each other to help each other out are some really good things that have come out of this as well. Yeah, and that's the sensitivity to operations again. And you're, you're, that's something that you can feel good about in your office is that 
you have people and parishes is in parishes and schools throughout the diocese that are comfortable calling you. So that's something mm -hmm. that you've been really good at implementing this culture um, through those parish site visits, through the interactions that you had. And like you're like you've been saying this whole time throughout this whole podcast, a lot of this is common sense, but then we're kind of going beyond that as well. Like open communication and building relationships, that's common sense. But then mm -hmm. um, along with that, how can we take those already uh, sensical ideas and implement them in a way that helps prevent events of harm? So any final thoughts as we close up here, Mary Ellen? <clears throat> no, uh, just um, I'm thankful that you invited me to be here today. Um, sorry anyone has any questions about how we've implemented this in our diocese, um, I'd be happy to answer those questions, talk to people about it. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and Mary Ellen's email is uh, listed on our website, or you can contact our office if uh, you would like to get in contact with Mary Ellen. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate your expertise and Manchester has definitely uh, been kind of a rock star with HROs. So uh, we're happy that we can get this out there and hopefully get some more awareness on what we're doing. Thank you. Great, thank you, Lauren.